If you have a Bible, we can go to James chapter 1. Uh, my name is Andrew, and I'm one of the interns here at The Ring. And this week, this week's been, it's been really interesting, you know. I, uh, I would say it's been equally uh, the most fruitful time of my life, and also the most nerve-wracking. You know, a lot of our elders have been checking in with me throughout the week, and if you were to ask them what my, my week was like, I think we have eight elders, you'd probably get eight different answers. Uh, but the Lord is good, and now that I'm up here, I'm excited. Um, so this is the, the third week in the series of James that we're going through. And we've already been through 18 chapters. And I feel like, I feel like we've all been challenged in a lot of different ways. And that's not going to stop, because this book is it's very practical, and it's very in your face, and, and we just need to embrace that. Um, so if we look at some of those... Um, those background of James, the PowerPoints. Um, hopefully some of this is, is coming to memory. Um, first off, who wrote the letter? Uh, it would be James the Just. Um, he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he was the brother of Jesus. Uh, he wrote it to... The, the letter was written to the Jewish Christians in the, in the house churches, um, and they're all dispersed all over, all over a bunch of, bunch of regions through persecution, through oppression, and things like that. Um, and then the when, uh, this is written in the 40s, like the like early 40s. Um, and it's the oldest New Testament book we have. Um, and then, so, looking at all those regions that we, we, I talked about, uh, it would be Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, it's all, it's all over the place. And so, so James is trying to, he's trying to shepherd this church from a very far distance away. And, and why he wrote it uh, is to pastor them through difficulty. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely see that in here. And, and I'll add one of those, and I'll, I'll call it style. And like I said, it's very blunt. And it's something that the characteristics I would say that Jesus shared, and maybe that's because his brother, maybe it ran, ran the family, I don't know. But they're both just very direct. And um, yeah, so let's, let's read. Um, starting in verse 19 of chapter 1. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Okay, so, first 18 verses, uh, James, he gives us two, I guess you can call them tests, two opportunities for response, and, and that would be response to trials and response to temptations. Uh, and, and Jake talked about those last night, and, and if you want to go back and listen to that, I, I would recommend that. Uh, but here we're hitting with another one, and, and it's called uh, the response to God's word. If 
if you like alliterations and, and that kind of thing for taking notes, you can think of it as trials, temptations, and truth. Um, and so now we have that response to God's truth. And, and scholars and, all, and a bunch of smart people, they like to refer to James as uh, the Proverbs, the New Testament, um, a lot of wisdom literature. And we'll see, we saw that in, in 19, and we're going we're gonna to see that throughout. And in, in another moment of full disclosure, these, these first couple of verses were really tricky for me because half my commentaries would say, this mean, these first couple of verses mean this. And then the other half would say, this means this. So I'm going to preach both of them. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be here much longer than usual, uh, but I think we can both benefit from both of them. I think both of them are, are correct. Uh, so, so we'll do that. Um, so verse 19, uh, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So if you look at the first um, direction, I guess you can call it, uh, that would be in, in community life. You can think of it as, um, as horizontal, as, as man-to-man relates to each other interpersonally. And we have to remember the, the context that James is in. If, uh, in Josh's introduction sermon, he was talking about how, how the... The Jewish Christians were scattered all throughout, and they were looking for, for the Jews to, to embrace them in, in their homes and where they were being scattered out to. And that just was not happening. They were not being received well. There was no hospitality. Um, so some of them were selling out. They were abandoning their faith for a life of comfort. Some of them just weren't, weren't really doing the word, uh, as it tells us. And so there's a, there's a weird atmosphere that, that James is trying to, trying to speak into. Uh, and so the, the first one uh, would be quick to hear. And, that's, and for us, that's are we really listening to each other? Are we, when we're in a conversation with someone, are we, are we taking in what they're saying or are we just plotting out our next response? We're so eager to talk and so busy that we're just, we're just not even paying attention to what they're saying. Um, are we just so consumed about other distractions, about what we're doing the night for dinner or what our weekend plans are or are we not really listening because in a very practical sense if you want to love someone you'll listen to them uh, one of my commentaries said this said listening is loving the neighbor as oneself his concerns and problems are sufficiently important to be heard so are we are we listening to each other uh, the second one would be slow to speak and and there's a progression here and they'll build off of each other and so if you look at slow to speak, that builds off of uh, quick to hear. So there's careful consideration about what is being heard and then careful consideration about how to respond. And this, this really just comes down to wisdom. It's that whole uh, think before you speak. And this can be in conversation with strangers. This can be you know, on Twitter. This can be just hearing someone who's bearing their soul. Are we, are we filtering our words through Jesus before we respond, or are we so rash to give opinions? Um, I know for myself, uh, I just want to give my opinion, or maybe I know the, the right answer that they want to hear, and so I'm just so, or just so ready to give that that I'm not really filtering my words through Jesus. And then, so that will lead to um, slow to anger. And, and he's not talking about all anger, because I... We've talked about this before. Uh, not all anger is, is sinful. Like, there are things that can 
righteously get us angry, like injustice and exploitation of people like that stuff should get us mad because God gets mad at that kind of stuff. It's a holy mad. And that's not, that's not what he's talking about here. And, and really, he's not really talking about like sudden outburst. And, and we shouldn't do that either. But what he's really getting at here is, is a deep resentment that smolders on the inside and it could lead to bitterness and it just, it just disrupts community. Um, so that's, that's more of what he's looking at here. Uh, and, and honestly, like, if we were to practice these three disciplines, there'd be so much drama just cut out of community that doesn't need to be there because that's not how we were designed to, to operate. So look at verse 20. So the progression then says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I think that, that, that righteousness is not achieved for two reasons. Let's say that, let's say that I get mad at Josh. Righteous, sorry. I, I asked him before and he was cool with it. Uh, okay, so I, I get mad at Josh. Righteousness is not achieved in me because I'm not reflecting the image of God. I'm creating God's image, you're creating God's image. And all throughout Scripture, God, he describes himself as, as slow to anger and abounding in love. So if I'm not slow to anger, abounding in love, I'm not acting in accordance with who I am. So righteousness is not achieved in me. And it's not going to be achieved in, in Josh either. He's not going to be closer to the Lord. If anything, he'll be, he'll be more distant. The ESE study Bible says this. It says, and this is better than I can put it. It says, self-reliant anger of man fails to recognize mere human reproach cannot change a person's heart. I'll read it one more time. It says, self-reliant anger of man, it fails to recognize mere human reproach cannot change a person's heart. So, so me, whether I think it's justly to get mad or not, it's not going to change that person's heart. And that's, and that's the real point of community. Um, and, and if... If you think about it hypothetically, like, how terrible would it be is if I'm in a conversation with someone and I'm not listening to them, I'm not loving them well, I'm not responding well, I'm, they can sense bitterness in me. Like, how terrible would that be for them to walk away and say, man, that, I didn't like how that was handled, I didn't, they didn't listen to me, they didn't love me well. I wonder if that's how the Lord feels about me. Like, how, how awful would that be? Um, so, so what do we do with this? It's... It's, it's good to think about, but if there's no practicality in it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so look at, look at 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, some, some translations will say with humility, uh, receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so in a, in a culture that's so fast-paced where we hear we want, we, what we want to hear or we're too busy to listen, where we have the most limited attention span in the world. Uh, one of my commentaries, this is a little lame yet. Uh, one of my commentaries was saying how media, how it just caters to our lack of attention span, and how with like TV and stuff, how you can't have a, a scene on a TV show lasting longer than 10 or 15 seconds because we'll get bored. It, it makes me think of that, those Ford commercials where that guy's telling us how great it is to own a Ford truck, and everything he says, the words are put there, and just rattles on and on. Uh, I didn't really come up here. That wasn't in my notes to, <laughs> to, to attack Ford truck owners, but sorry about that. Um, but so, so what do we do with that? So 
James says we, we put off all the wickedness. It's, it's literally like, like stripping off dirty garments. And, and one, of the, one of the more literal meanings of uh, filthiness in that verse, it literally means earwax that prevents good hearing. Like how perfect is that? Um, so we listen well, we respond well, we love each other, we live in unity, and none of that stuff has to happen. Uh, but like I said, there is, there's another way that that can be taken, these verses can be taken, and that's in our approach to God's word. And so, the quick to hear, so to speak, that would be in our time with Jesus. And, and sometimes there's a, there's a, I feel like we treat Jesus like an answering machine where we just rattle off, this is what's wrong, this is what I want changed, this, 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 see you later. And, and not that we can't bring our, our, our request to God, because he, he tells us to. He says, he says, bring your burdens and lay them on my feet. But we have to give him opportunity to respond. We have to be still and give him opportunity to respond. We've all been in conversations where the person's talking so much and so fast that we can't get a word in, and that can't be what our time with the Lord is like. And so when you think faulty listening to God's word, and then that leads to faulty understanding, and then we just get pissed at God. So, and so instead of that horizontal bitterness and anger that smolders, it's all vertical now. And so it doesn't line up with our agenda. We're going into the word trying to find out. We want to match it with something we believe instead of going in with humility and taking the word for what it is and then... Uh, receiving it that way, and so, and so, if we take that aspect and we and we go on, it says in verse twenty-two, "But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." So we have to hear the word, and we can't we can't receive the word if we don't hear it, and we can't hear it if we're not in it. And so, if we're having struggles with that, what a perfect place to plug summer community groups again. I, I was going to explain what we were going over, but Josh took care of that, so I'll just say, come. Come to summer community groups. Um, and so, so we have to be doers of the word, but it says if we're hearers only and not doers, we're deceiving ourselves. And so what are we deceiving ourselves about? We're deceiving ourselves about an empty profession of faith, how it's it can be ritualistic and routine. There's no inner transformation involved. And that's, and that's something that the ring has been, has been super uh, keen on uh, pushing as long as I've been here is, is inner heart change and not uh, just, just doing things but doing them for a reason. Um, and so um, things like, like church attendance. Like our, do we come to church uh, and hear the gospel and then walk away unchanged? Or are we going to community groups and we're not investing in the people there and we're not, I don't know, we're not taking it seriously or we're doing good deeds outside of church, but it's, it's for prideful reasons. It's, it's not for the glory of God. And so, so we need to put legs and put action to the things that we say we believe. Um, it says, true obedience, not temporary compliance is the only proper response to God's word true obedience and so so if you say yeah I trust God's plan for my life then you do it and so when when things like job stuff messes up and it's not what you thought it was going to be we, that doesn't bog us down because we trust in God's plan or or just uh, anything like that um, 
we say we put our identity in Jesus, then we put our identity in Jesus and we don't look for it in anything else. And uh, I mean, that's, I'm not going to give you any more examples. One, because I think you get the point. And two, because I don't want my first sermon to be run off with pitchforks and, my, and an angry mob. Uh, but you know that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, so that wouldn't happen anyways. Um, and so, so James, he expounds upon what it means to be a hearer and not a doer uh, in a really great illustration. Uh, look at verse 23. He says, For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away, and at once he forgets what he is like. Okay, so just realizing I was really upset that I didn't put man in the mirror on the set list because that was a really missed opportunity. Um, okay, whatever. Uh, so a mirror, so we're all, we're all familiar with mirrors. So you look into a mirror and you see the features you like and you see the blemishes that maybe you don't like so much. Um, for a man to look into a mirror and see things that need to be changed, like it, like it says in James, and he doesn't do anything about it, that's a hearer and not a doer. The, the gospel of the war has not, been, not grown, it hasn't, hasn't penetrated his heart, it's just, again, that ritualistic, um, that ritualistic type thing. Uh, he has failed to do the word. And, and thinking about this illustration that James used, it got me thinking about Safe by the Bell. Um, stay with me. Okay. For, for, everyone, for, for you five, besides everyone else who knows what Safe by the Bell is, uh, Safe by the Bell was a TV show in the 90s. There were six kids, six teenagers, and they were just doing normal high school things, taking tests, and I think one episode they saved some seals from an oil rig or something. Just normal high school things. And so uh, there was this one, this one character. Her name was Lisa Turtle. Uh, and she was a very conceited girl. She was very obsessed with her looks and the way her perception and what people thought of her. And I really struggled with what character I was going to use because they were all pretty vain. Uh, but I, I landed on Lisa Turtle. So Lisa Turtle would walk around the hallways and she would look in her mirror and her locker. And she looked and she just wanted to confirm that she looked cute and her hair was good. And then she would walk away and she would forget what she looked like. There was no intention to change. It was just she wanted to confirm what she already thought. And that's a really weird way of how we can interact with the Word sometimes. Sometimes we can go in there and we can just try to match up with our ideologies. Uh, and instead, we should be looking for how we need to change more into the image of God because that's what sanctification all is, is just growing to the image of God. Uh, and so... If you look at that, that would be the wrong way to look into the mirror. Um, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Okay, this is the complete opposite. This is a man who looks into the mirror and sees things that need to be changed, and he does something about them. And I don't have a TV reference for this one, but I. But I do have a man with a beard. Everyone with beards. So you look, a man with a beard, he sits down, looks in the mirror and says, I don't want this beard anymore. So he shaves it. That man sat down with full intentions to see what needs to be changed, and he, he changed it. And so 
the, this is the main point. This is all scattered brain, but this is, this is where I'm getting. When we interact with the word, we need to do it with humility and see how we need to change into the image of God. Okay? So, and, and the great thing is, is we can do this now because of Jesus. You know, when it says the, the law of liberty, that is a, a contrast to Old Testament law. So you have Old Testament, or Old Covenant, New Covenant. You have Old Testament law, and that was, you know, God giving a standard of his people, of how he wanted them to reflect him. And, but they had no power to do it. They, I don't really think it was a don't murder, and they were all just like, I want to murder all of a sudden. But they just couldn't, they couldn't do it because they were, they were sinful. They had, they had a sinful nature, and so they just couldn't do it. But the law of liberty is one that comes with the Holy Spirit. So, so Jesus dies. He comes, lives a perfect life, he dies. I put my faith in him, you put your faith in him. We're all in, in Christ. And he sends the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit lives inside of us now. And so when the law of liberty comes with the Holy Spirit, that's when he empowers us, we can be doers of the law, he, he affirms our identity. You know, when we, when we are doers, we, we act this out, because God didn't, he didn't give this to us just for intellectual purposes. He wants us to do it. And when we're doing it, the Holy Spirit is affirming it and saying, yes, this is who you are. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit comes and it powers us and it guides us. It convicts us when we need conviction. In it. Just like that. Um, Clint, can you put up the John verse? Jesus said this uh, in, in John chapter 8. He said, he said uh, the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples... You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This is, this is what he's talking about. He's saying we don't have to be slave to sin. We don't have to be stuck in that ritualistic, that routine, that is going through the motions. He says we can have the freedom to do this and do it with joy. It's not just a set of lists. It's, it's just acting out our identity. Uh, and so this, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not advocating behavior modification. If you've, if you've been in the ring for any number of years or months even maybe, you've probably heard that phrase thrown out, behavior modification. And in a very, a very quick summation, behavior modification would be uh, changing the external activities without changing the inner like, heart and motivation behind it. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we need to go into the Bible and, and see Jesus do this and then we implement it just in the outside at, that's, that's not what James is saying either. He's, James is going after the, the inner heart stuff. And, and that's where my Lisa Turtle, man with the beard, analogy falls short. Because both of those people were looking at the externals. And we're supposed to... There's such a theme of self-examination in this text that we just can't miss. It's inner heart stuff. It's changing into the image of God. It's sanctification. That's, that, that's all it is, yeah. Um, and like I said, when we, when we do it, we continually act out our identity. And the Spirit affirms that. Um, look at the last two verses as I close. This is probably going a lot quicker than I rehearsed, but that's okay. I didn't forget anything, so that's good. Um, it may appear in 26 that James is he's just switching gears completely, but he's not. He's still on the same theme. He just, he just changes the words. And so... 
In the last section, he would say, don't misuse the, the mirror, or as we know now, the, the, the word, the law of liberty. So he, he does the same thing, but he's just switching the word. And so the word in, in this section would be religious. It says in 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person is religious, worthless. Man, yeah. Um, and, so, and so James will go on uh, with the theme of the tongue, I guess. That's weird to say, but he'll go on with that in a later chapter. And I think Adam Iglesias has that, so maybe shed some light on that. Uh, but this is, this is the main point of what he's trying to say. It's the same ritualistic, the same routine, go with the motions, without the inner heart change, without the transformation that Jesus brings. That's what he's getting at. So that would be the, the false religion. And, and there are times in Scripture when we're just like, just give us the answer. Like, what do you want us to do? James is very direct in this part. He says in 27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, we've seen the false religion. Now we see the true religion. And the, the true religion, it's not self-serving. It's not ego-boosting. It's not glamorous. It's, it's none of those things. It's, it's self-sacrificing. That, that's self-sacrificing. That's what he's getting at here. And so he gives us, he gives us two categories of, of what true religion looks like. Uh, the first one would be uh, orphans and widows. And, and orphans and widows were a, a stock description in the Old Testament, uh, a, just a general label that he would give to anyone in a helpless situation, anyone in distress. And so while he's advocating, hey, take care of the widows, take care of the orphans, he has a more general theme. And, and his, his original audience would know that because they would know the scriptures and they would know the Old Testament. Um, and so we care for, we care for the, those who are in distress, who are helpless, who can't help themselves. It's, it's helping people who can't reciprocate it. And so that's why we do things like breakfast in the levee. That's why we, the reality house, that hope of life, that's all of that. It's not to say, look at the ring, look what the people of, of the ring are doing. It's, it's we're joining in on what God is doing. And uh, Josh kind of mentioned this earlier, but in Psalm 68, uh, it says that God is a father to the fatherless. And he's a protector of the widows. And, and again, I hope this doesn't get stale and, and never should get stale to us, but because we're creating the image of God, we do, we reflect his character. So if he takes care of, if he loves, if he's invested in, in the widows and the orphan and the slaves and all those being exploited, then we are too. Um, and the last one would be unstained from the world. And, and that's just another way of, of, of putting a theme that we've gone over recently so many times. Of, it's, the, uh, it's the branches in the, I mean, the roots in the future, branches in the present mindset. It's uh, living in the kingdom. It's avoiding patterns of the world. It's that whole, the whole mindset of, of living a life that's separated from God because as his people, that's who we are. We're separated. We have a, a new identity, and so, so we act it out, and not in a uh, faith by works mindset, but, but like I said, true obedience is the only response to God's word. Um, we, just, we just don't buy into what the world says about what's valued, 
when what's important, where success is measured, and just none of that garbage. We just we live in the kingdom. We just we just sit there. We we don't we don't go away from it. Um, so, like I said, this went a lot faster than I thought it was going to go. Um, but it, it's too important for us to not to not sit on and. And the, the main hesitation that I had with this text is that people would walk away with a guilt trip or, or putting self-condemnation on them. And, and that's not it at all. It's, it's like abiding. If, if you haven't been abiding, then start. If you haven't been a doer of the word, then just start. It's that easy. And Clint, can you put that Romans verse up there? Um, I thought about just saying this, but I thought it would be more beneficial for you to read it. It says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we don't have to walk away with a guilt trip or condemnation about this. Jesus is faithful even when we are faithless. And so we just start doing it. And it's not for uh, to appear devout. It's not to, to seem religious like James said. We're doing all of it so Jesus can say, well done good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. That's all we're going for. Uh, So a wise man once said, I don't know where this lands with you. I just know where it lands with me. Uh, We just have to be good stewards of whatever the Lord stirred up. So uh, I'm going to pray for us. The band can come on back up. Um, So yeah, thanks for coming out. Jesus, uh, we're thankful for your word and this is the many benefits that we see in it. How we continually match up our lives with, um, with what you said you, you need from us. Um, and I, I don't want anyone to walk away feeling guilty because like I said, there's no condemnation there. You're not mad at us for any of this. But there's a difference between guilt and conviction. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that if there's conviction that needs to come, that you bring that and we embrace it. If there's affirmation that comes, that you affirm us and we, we embrace that. We just hope that. We just do these things to bring you glory. We're thankful for all that you are to us. It's in Christ's name, amen.